I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. This is week three of our Ron Howard theme month, and we're moving into a far more recent Ron Howard era. 2013. We watched the 2013 film Rush, which is about the 1976 rivalry between James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. I have seen this film before. I'm familiar with this. However, this was Nate's first time watching this. Nate was not looking forward to watching this, no. and I have been waiting with bated breath to find out what Nate thinks of this. So we're going to go straight to Nate and his first impression. Okay. So going into this film, the film, and I think we talked about this on the Oscar cast we did a year or two ago with the movie Ford versus Ferrari, which of the seven, eight, nine nominees that, that year was my least favorite. I did not like that movie. I thought it took more than an hour to get going. And if you take more than half your rainy time to get going you failed on some fundamental level. And so these films in my mind were lumped together. I'm like, uh, I'm not a big racing guy. I don't like this. I really like this movie. I was right. Which I think you were gathering. <laughs> I feel as get we vindicated. Um, you had I actually was nervous all the way through. Oh, I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. It's because I I tried to I didn't say too much. No. But nor did I. Yeah. I intentionally tried to avoid spoiling this for you. Well, yeah, and I didn't. I don't. I didn't know anything about these guys or what ultimately happened to them. I had different theories going through my mind. The opening narration is where Nikki Lotta, Daniel Brühl. Yeah, yeah. So Nikki Lotta talks about I'm chief remembered for the thing I did to uh, James Hunt. I'm like, oh, you screwed James Hunt in some some manner because they they they're not friendly at the beginning of this film. And like probably got him disfigured or something like that. And that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. And then it turns out that it was... Nicky Lotta. Who got in the big accident, accident. and got disfigured uh, yeah. by it. And then I'm like, well, he's going to do something back in revenge. Because this has been set up, the thing I did to him. But it wasn't, spoiler, meant in a negative sense. That he provided Hunt with uh, the motivation he needed to achieve his world championship, which he did in 76, unseating Lada, who had been the previous year's uh, Grand Prix world champion. This is really, it's really good. It was unexpectedly good. It was kind of deceptively good. It's interesting how these characters kind of switch places and how they grow. Yeah. And how this guys... rivalry turns into intense mutual admiration society. Well, so this film did take a few liberties these guys, while they did have an intense rivalry throughout the 70s and did feed off of each other, they also were more friendly than the film depicts. Yeah. In fact, at one point, they actually shared an apartment. Oh, okay. Um, Not the impression you get from this film, but you, you do get the sense that But they did drive each other. Despite having yeah. a friendship, they clearly drove each other and, and in many ways still drove each other nuts. And yeah, But they had a mutual admiration for each other. They were friends for some time after this film before until James Hunt passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't like Lotta at first because he's just he's just kind of this... Eh. You don't necessarily he, he's, like he's either one of them. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, of course, Chris... So Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth plays James Hunt and Daniel Bull plays Nicky Lotta. And so they bring a little bit of their personas with them, especially Chris Hemsworth. So this is a guy that by all intents and purposes I should hate. He's just, he looks like Chris Hemsworth and everything seems to be easy to him. But he has also got kind of the, uh, the likability, a likability factor. Yeah. 
where he's like, yeah, he's kind of entitled, but, you know, he's fun. So you kind of root for him at first, and then Lada really grows on you. you as, as he grows as a person and becomes a better person and, and decides certain things are more important to him than racing, saves his life, I think. Yeah. Because he, you know, he finds love with a woman who looks an awful lot like Jane Seymour. That was what I was looking for. So who does she look like? She yeah. looks like Jane Seymour. Yeah, his wife was Marlene Lotta, played by Alexandria Marie Lara in this film. Olivia Wilde makes an appearance in this film as Susie Miller, who for a brief time was married to James yeah, Hunt. For about two years, left him for Richard Burton. Yeah. This film also features Pierre Francesco Favino as Clay Regazzoni, who is a driver along with Nikki Lotta. We also have Natalie Dormer as Nurse Gemma. Christian McKay as Lord Hesketh. Who, we, who I know as Orson Welles and me and Orson Welles. And there's a number of other recognizable faces, but... I want to go back to Natalie Dormer for a minute. So, an opening scene, or one of the opening scenes, Chris Hemsworth is all beat up. So he goes to the hospital, he's kind of bleeding. Natalie Dormer is one of the nurses. And When you cast Natalie Dormer in a movie... You kind of know that you're going to get, you're going to see a lot of her, shall we say. And I've decided that if I were somehow granted the ability to, to, to make a movie, I would cast Natalie Dormer in it, but she would be fully bundled for skiing the entire movie. There you go. Yeah. Just, Just for some count, counterbalance in the universe. Yeah. Go out of her way not to show Natalie Dormer in it. Yeah. I, I saw this film the first time in 2013. I was immediately... Yeah, I, w- I did. Oh. Uh, I saw it in the luxury theater at Jordan Commons. Oh, yeah. I was immediately impressed with this. This was... You know, I, I didn't know what, fully what to expect going into it, but this movie really caught me off guard. It hooked me. I've loved this movie ever since. Uh, I remember seeing the previews for it, and, and, uh, and of course, the Ron Howard connection. But I'm just like a racing movie. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. But it is really good, and I'm sure we'll get into it. I hope it did well, because it's a really good movie. We're going to get into that, and there's multiple aspects to that oh, okay. that I want to get into. But yeah, I just was really impressed with this film. You know, you were comparing it to Ford versus Ferrari. I think there's two things that make this different from Ford versus Ferrari. One is that it focuses on primarily on these two individuals. There's not the corporate interest mm-hmm. as a primary stake in the film. And I think these are more interesting people, more interesting characters. They are more interesting characters, and I think taking out this, you know, chunk of that corporate as- corporate aspect helped, but also the other big factor is Ron Howard is just better at building tension yeah. and knowing where to focus the human elements of the film yeah. and humanizing these characters and things of that nature. It's a lot more kinetic. It's it's much better paced than Ford versus Ferrari. I, I was never bored. This kept my attention. I took very few notes. I took on my tiny little note paper. I took like a page and a third. Yeah. Because I was so involved. Yeah. So this did not do well in terms of critical awards in the U.S. It did win and was nominated for a number of BAFTA awards. Mm-hmm. As you can expect, this film did better overseas than it did domestically. Yeah, yeah. And was received better. And that is in large part due to... Formula One not being as big in the United States as it is in Europe. Hmm. Should we go into box office or should we hit some trivia? However. Let's do box office first. So this film had an open an estimated budget of $38 million. Less than I would have thought. 
in the U.S., it had an opening weekend of a mere $187,000. Soft opening. It had a U.S. domestic gross of $26.9 million. All right. So it did not make a profit domestically, but its worldwide gross was $96 million. So it made back quite a bit of money. Success. This was easily a success. It was released September 27th, 2013. I think I saw this... I'm not sure if I saw it opening weekend or if I saw it sometime in October. Why did you decide to see it? Actually, my wife decided to take me to it. Yeah. I forget what the occasion was, but my wife took me to it. How about that? I would be curious to know what Netflix, Netflix paid for this. I'd be curious to see how this is done on future sales, you know, post box office sales, mm-hmm. how, you know, how much it's made on streaming rights. I'm, I mean, this easily has to have broken the $100 million mark yeah, at this point. Interestingly, by comparison, one of Ron Howard's next films was In the Heart of the Sea. Mm-hmm. Had a hundred million dollar budget. Yeah, its worldwide gross is less than it didn't make money. Oh. So, this you know, if you were trying to predict which one would make money, I probably would have bet on In the Heart of the Sea. Indeed. But this had has made more money than that. What else do you want to say about the success of this? You know, domestic versus uh, well, European. You know, uh, that makes sense because this. I mean, they're Europeans. Yeah. The, the characters are. Abul is. Yeah, it makes sense that this would appeal more to European sensibilities. It did uh, fairly well critically, though. It has an 89% Rotten Tomato score. Oh, I was going to get into the those ratings in a little bit. It has a decent IMDb aggregate score. It has an aggregate score on IMDb of 8.1 stars. Mm-hmm. Though I think that's slightly low, because I glanced, and Ford vs. Ferrari also has an 8.1 star rating. What? No. So, but I think this is easily the superior oh, film. Oh, easily. There is some interesting trivia on this. Nicky Lotta was interviewed on his 60th birthday by the Austrian Times and stated that a journalist asking him how his injured face affected his marriage was the biggest insult he had had to suffer in his entire life. Wow. Yeah, that was actually that was a great scene. So so Lotta, you know, he's disfigured in this accident and he's so obsessed with getting back at Hunt that he forces himself through extremely sped up rehabilitation. He's back to racing 40-something days after this happens. And he's having a press conference, and that one jerk reporter asks him, do you think your marriage can survive your disfigurement? And then Hunt lulls, lures the guy into like a restroom, so he's oh, i got something to tell you about that Like thing. a janitorial got, closet. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, oh, you got something to t- say about this? Yeah, and then just, just, just hits him in the nose, breaks his nose. It's like, Go back and ask your wife how... Well, then he puts his tape recorder in his mouth and knocks out oh, a bunch yeah. of his teeth and then tells him to go ask his wife how yeah. it affects their marriage. I kind of doubt that actually happened, at least not that way, but it wouldn't surprise me if he punched someone in the face for, for that. Yeah. When Nicky Lotta saw this, so Nicky Lotta was still alive when this came out. I don't know if he is still alive now or not. I'll have to look in a minute. But when Nicky Lotta first saw Rush, do you know what he, his response was? What? He went, he said, blank, that's really me. Wow. <laughs> Nicky Lotta died in 2019. Okay. I thought he had, but yeah. Another kind of interesting note, the race in Germany at the Nürburgring in 1976, that was the last time F1 would ever race at the Nürburgring. Hmm. Because after that, they did realize it was just too dangerous to have, like Nicky Lotta said in the driver's meeting, it was just too dangerous to have at the Nürburgring if the conditions weren't perfect. 
So F1 has never ra raced at the Nürburgring ever since. Hmm. Nürburgring, I know Nate won't, isn't familiar with this, but it's kind of akin to a holy grail in racetracks. A lot of people want to race their cars at Nürburgring, but it's F1 won't race there anymore. So, hmm. Nürburgring sounds like something from a fantasy movie. Daniel Bruhl and Chris Hemsworth were not allowed to drive F1 cars for this movie mm. for understandable reasons. Yeah, yeah. So they drove F3 cars that were had body kits put on them to make them look like F1 cars. Yeah. But even F3 cars are difficult to drive. Mm. Formula 3. Oh, Daniel Bruhl, who plays Nicky Lotta, and Nicky Lotta actually became close personal friends after this. And Lotta even flew the actor to Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, to the Grand Prix, in his private jet, which he piloted himself. Brule's a fun actor. I think this might have, might be his best performance. Yeah. You know, I've he, never seen him grow like this over the course of the world. He had to wear a dental appliance in order to be able to mimic Nicky Lotta's overbite. Oh, okay. Yeah. This film, like I said, does take a few liberties, you know, in terms of, like, their friendship and things like that. Nicky Lotta, clearly some of his memories are also skewed. He claims the movie was entirely accurate, but we know that it took some liberties with their rivalry. So, Nicky Lotta, as I already mentioned, he was a big fan of the film. And he was really kind of disappointed and upset about the fact that James Hunt was not around to see it. And he thinks that James Hunt would have also really enjoyed the movie. Mm -hmm. I did look up Sue, Susie Miller. Uh huh. And Olivia Wilde is a appropriate casting. Yeah. yeah they don't look exactly the same, but they have very similar body structures. I mean, this film, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. It's a surprise film. It's a satisfying film-going experience. Yeah. I really think it's a sneak to most people in the U.S. because either you've already seen this and you're aware of it, mm -hmm. or you're oblivious to this yeah. film. I just assumed it, I assumed there was nothing there. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. How would you rate this film? We've I, already kind of mentioned the Metacritic ratings. We've mentioned its aggregate score on IMDb. Yeah. How, how would you rate it? I really quite liked it. I can't quite give it four stars, but I'm going to give it three and a half. And I've been bouncing back and forth between eight and nine on a ten, and I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah. We're pretty close because I try to avoid half stars. I'm going to go ahead and give this four, but I also give this nine on the at nine out of ten on the ten mm -hmm. star scale. So it's you're not off on your three and a half. You're, you know, that's pretty accurate. But I, I also agree. I would give this probably nine out of ten on the ten star scale. It's hard to imagine what could have been done to improve this film. It's just a satisfying film. Yeah. It, it builds its tension. It, it's kinetic. It holds it throughout. I think this is one of the better Ron Howard films yeah. I've seen. So it's, it's kind of sad that it didn't get more attention in the U.S. Yeah. And it should. And it's on Netflix at, at the time we're recording this in yeah, so July. If you, so if, if this gets out in time and it's still there, I would recommend it. I think it's quite satisfying. Yeah, It's like a fun meal. So you just, you just feel kind of, kind of well, full at the end of it. And it has... It's not too short. I don't feel like it's too long either. Yeah. It, it has About a runtime of two hours and three minutes. Yeah. I felt like it was a good length. It gives you plenty of time to explore these characters and and see what happened in that, you know, especially in that 1976 year. So, you know, and it, it has a nice little aftermath scene or... little coda. Coda at the end, so... Yeah, I don't know what else to say about this one. How about you? Yeah. I, I think when we like a film, we, they, it goes pretty quick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. 
I'm glad you liked that. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. I'm glad I liked it too. I'm nervous. I was nervous. I didn't. I, I, I actually wasn't... at one point almost asked you if you wanted to watch Jump Ahead to Hillbillyology. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, well, it's your birthday, and I don't want to have you watch a film yeah. you're not looking forward to on your birthday. I'm but... looking forward to Hillbillyology even less. I know. <laughs> that was the only reason I didn't bring it up. I almost like asked, though, if you wanted to do something totally different tonight. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, the day that we're recording this is Nate's birthday. Yes. So we've been out to dinner. We didn't really get any dessert. We just got drinks. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah Meaning service. So happy birthday, Nate. Happy birthday to myself. There you go. Anything else you want to chat about here? Anything else you want to mention? So I went uh, downtown the other weekend, which I, I, I used to love to take the tracks, the, the yeah. little trolley trams, the this train system here. You just go downtown, walk around, get something to eat. So many things are still closed, but I was wandering around, and there's that little art museum next to the convention center. Uh-huh. That was open. I've been in there once before, like three or four years ago. I was like, I'm going to the art museum, walking around. And one of the things they had in the art museum was a quilted map of Ephraim, Utah. Wow, that's yeah. unique. And it made me think, because my mother's a quilter, and I recently kind of shredded a quilt that she made because I just used it too much and tore it up, kind of. And I'm like, I know what I want for my next quilt. I want a map. Yeah. My mom said no. I can see why. But I had my idea of, like, well, if I want a map quilt, what do I want my map quilt to be? I said, well, the map that I think would just bring me the most satisfaction and I'd get to snuggle into at night and just feel happy would be an electoral map of the 2020 election. (laughs) (laughs) And then they could stitch the electoral vote totals and the the popular vote totals at, at the side. And then some people I know would say, Nate, your quilt's a lie. Yeah. Did they you tell did you tell your mother this idea before I did she rejected not. it? But yeah, maybe I can sell that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna make this more likely to become a reality. No, but I want my map my uh, twenty twenty election quilt. Is she gonna make you a new quilt? Well, I was thinking that we, we could use, you know, our, our vast following on in the world of podcasting. To get one, my mom watches these quilters uh-huh. uh, that have YouTube channels. To get one of them to make us the quilt, but I think it might be too controversial of a subject matter for the quilting demographic. I, I have a feeling you might be right. We might be able to pay one of them to do it. <laughs> there are also like you can go on. There's websites you can go on and pay like a someone to crochet a custom blanket. Uh-huh. You could. You might have an easier time getting someone to crochet that. Crochet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that electoral map wouldn't be that difficult to crochet, but... You never know it, what you're going to get from me, Leave it to you to take this to quilting. <laughs> this to quilting How the heck? and politics. Yeah. Well, politics, that's not a surprise coming yeah. from you. Quilting? That, that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. That threw me for a loop, so... I'm going to look real quick. From the New York Times. A lean. A wild new Celine Dion biopic reduced a Cannes audience to giggles on Tuesday night thanks to an instantly iconic decision to cast 57-year-old actress-director Valerie Lemakir to play Dion at every age of her life, including as a five-year-old. Now I want to see it. I want to see a 57-year-old woman play a five-year-old. It's been Does added the, to my bucket, bucket list. Like, that's real? This is real. Does the anti-aging technology really go that far? <laughs> yeah. 
I saw a preview the other day. I can't remember the name of the film, but I, I very briefly thought that this actress was a digitally de-aged uh, Angelica Houston. It was really Maggie Q. Okay. You get the hair right, and you don't pale, and you just look at it for a half a second. They look the same. There you go. You ready for this? 